To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. Well, welcome back, gardeners and homesteaders. You are tuned in to the Backyard Gardens podcast, and um, I think it's time we start talking about seeds, Batavia. You cool? Oh, that's terrible. Hold on. There you go. There we go. There we go. (laughs) So what we're going to do is we're going to try and systematically break down seed starting this year. It's It's a passion of mine. And I think Batavia may be falling in love with it slowly but surely. What do you think? It's a means to an end, and it fills the void of being outdoors. That's the reason why I never come back to seed starting once I'm outdoors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough once you get everything out. But, um, you know, timing for seeds is every single thing. Um, this is the time of year to get your garden in the right path for the year, especially if you're seed starting. And so we don't want to be left behind and be struggling to get seeds going. And you know how it is. You'll be sitting there chewing your nails. Oh, please grow, please grow. You know, we don't want to do that, but we also don't want to be sitting there chewing our nails on the other aspect being like, please slow down, please slow down. So there, you know, it's, it's a fine line that we need to kind of take care of. So these are the first seeds to start for your spring garden. And I think I think that you'd rather be early than late, especially based on kind of the time sensitivity and how weather is sensitive around this time. So, yeah. Yeah, and I mean I think it's it's one thing and I've noticed this through a lot of different avenues is it's hard to believe that you can put plants out when it's cold outside still. And I mean, I'm not talking about sub-zero temperatures, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. you know, once you start breaking out of that those winter patterns and you're starting to get a little bit warmer days and your nights aren't quite as cold, like a lot of the seeds that we're going to talk about today can very well take that. And I mean, you've got to have grow time in order to get them before it gets warm too. You know, mm-hmm. for some areas, like in my area, if I don't get almost, I have about a two week planting window for my broccoli. And if I miss that, then I just get flowers, you know, and I don't really want broccoli flowers. It makes nothing makes me more angry than my broccoli bolting. That's just (laughs) end of story. That just makes me mad. So, I mean, you know, going into it and, you know, cheap plug. I've been making custom seed starting charts for people. Um, if you want one of those, there's an email address below. We'll, we can make you one for a small fee. But after I've done a number of them over a number of states, I was just showing Batavia, you can visually see the layout in different areas of mm-hmm. seeds to start. And most of the seeds are to be started in February and March for most regions that we've done. And I've done like, I think I have like 50 different areas I've done. So there's a lot of different, you know, growth patterns. And it's so fascinating to me to see that. Um, so far, the the best place to grow food for an even across the board has been Northern California, though. Mm. That was the best place I've come across. But that being said, even there, February and March are big seed starting months. 
Yeah, I think that, um, so the disclaimer here, and if you're not in this space yet, it's our hope that through listening to this podcast, you will get there. This is absolutely for multi-season gardeners, you know, so we're talking about people that are growing in spring, summer, and fall when you look at those charts and when you look at, you know, oh, across the year, you're growing the majority of your, starting the majority of your seeds in February and March, you know? So I think the story is different if you just had a summer garden, right? You know, but again, that's not our story and we don't believe that that's the experience that most people want to have. No, and I mean, if I had a dream and it was for this podcast, it would be that, We started so many seeds that like Bonnie and those places that sell transplants that are just ripping people off now would actually have to lower their prices to get people to come in. That that would be like what I would hope to come out of this platform because you can't, if you have a big garden, it's almost like you're not making any headway financially in growing your own food. All you're doing is scratching that itch to grow food, which mm-hmm. is understandable. But financially speaking, it's a fraction of the cost when it comes to seed starting. I know we've said that a bunch, but uh, it just yeah. kind of sets you forward in the right direction. So I love that as a goal, right? I love right. that as a, a initiative. Um I, as some of you all know, I buy transplants for for some of my brassicas each year. Um, And I think that it's only because of the difficulties I have starting those particular plants. And my logic is when you take the entire garden season and all things that I'm growing, you know, if I could spend 20, 25 bucks on spring transplants and then everything else I'm growing in my garden is grown from seed by my hand, then it balances out. You know, I definitely have never gone to the grocery store and spent less than $25. Um, so I, I think that, um, I think that you step this up. Like these are steps you take in your process as a gardener. Yeah. Like some people come out of the gate and it's like all seeds. And I am really impressed by that. Right. You know, and it is absolutely the most economical way. And I think that if you're starting out, start there. Right. You know, make your idea of going to get transplants like, you know, I I don't want to be too extreme of it's a last resort but i want that to be the alternative not the primary path you know what i'm saying yeah exactly and i you know later on in the conversation i do want to cover um the brassica issue a little bit because i think it will help people but i you know i had a guy it's no secret that i start i sell seedlings and had a gentleman come by last year and he was like do you sell uh bonnie bell peppers and i was like no I don't sell Bonnie bell peppers. I, he was like, well, that's all I buy. And I'm like, well, why didn't you just go buy some Bonnie bell peppers at the store if that's what you want? Like, why are you coming to me wasting my time, dude? He's like, well, I figured you'd have them at a cheaper price. I'm like, no, go over there. and buy. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, man, if you're going to, you know. But the thing is, is that individual didn't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's in the mindset that 
a seedling, if it doesn't come from a store, is not worth anything. It's not any good. And that's something that we can break. And as much as I like to sell seedlings, I would rather not sell seedlings and have everybody doing that themselves because it just helps you with so many more varieties and choices and options and things that go in your garden. And you really start to understand, and this is where we start to get into it, what things can grow in the cooler temperatures. So, you know, there is an order. You can't just be like, all right, I'm going to have a fall garden and I'm going to, or a spring garden, excuse me. And I'm just going to start all of my seeds for spring right now. That's not how it works because Mm -hmm. some need to be a little bit warmer, but need to be cool still. Mm -hmm. And some need a longer growing season. And we need to make sure that we, you know, we fulfill those requirements for these plants. Yeah. And that's um, also when it comes to your garden plan. That's why that's super important. Mm-hmm. So the the seed starting charge that and I like to believe that I was the first um, I was like patient zero in the best way. You know? Yeah, you were, <laughs> you know, for a seed starting charge. I guess you were and that I'd be like the one that caught the contagion. Um, and you look and say, like, this is your it's such a great starting point. And I. I don't know if I mentioned this in the last episode, but this is one of the three reasons I feel like I am the most prepared coming into this garden season. And I don't speak in grandiose terms like that. No, And so I look at this and I say, all right, I know what I'm starting, but I also understand the growth pattern for these plants, these different crops, these different vegetables and herbs and so on. And so with that in mind, I know when I'm going to plant these out, Right. And I know how long these things generally, generally how long these things are going to be in my garden. Right. right? So that's a mixture of everything from research I've done on these particular vegetables. Right. You know, how long from seed to harvest, so to speak. And then things I've seen in my garden itself, you know, like to your point, the window for broccoli for me is super tight, too. You know, (laughs) so. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Like if I still have broccoli in my garden and this is only for a handful of years, I've been been monitoring this. If I still have broccoli in my garden by June 20th, it's bolted broccoli. Yeah. So, you know, by the time in our summers, the spring to summer really creeps up. It's like a really slow warm up. You know, um, but by the time we get to mid June, I should be looking at, all right, I'm pulling these heads no matter the size. So then you back that thing up. <laughs> Sorry, I cut up myself. <laughs> you back that thing up to say, all right, when should I be putting these broccoli plants out? Which corresponds with when I'm starting my broccoli plants by seed, you know. Oh, and by the way, although we'll talk about it at the end, just because I have issues every year with the brassicas doesn't mean I don't start brassicas every year. Yeah, you just keep tweaking and tweaking and tweaking, you know. Um, spoiler alert, I just got a Brussels sprout harvest yesterday. That's right, everybody. Four years it took me. So, um, yeah, I'm the king of perseverance. Let's just say that. <laughs> Congratulations, man. Yeah, it was pretty I actually, amazing. I changed his photo on my contacts in my phone to... Um, to now, every time he calls or I call him, I'll see the broccoli she's, picture. She's lying. It's on her cover screen. Don't even let her front. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the thing got weird just now. In all of these years, it got all weird of these in this moment. Years, <laughs> it got weird. So, um, yeah, you know, the first, first seed is going to be onions across the board. Mm-hmm. And it, it, February is may not be the time for you to start onions, 
But in the future, preparing onions is the first thing across the board. A lot of times you're starting them in the previous calendar year to plant them out in this calendar year. So, you know, you may be starting them in December, um, January, February is, you know, kind of getting towards the end because they can take a long growth period. But that's like the first one. They're incredibly resilient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you, and you're they doing... are. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm doing sweet onions. I, I'm still, I still have a small window where I may just for the experiment in the garden sake, uh, buy some onion transplants because I want to see the difference in the size of the ones I grow from seed compared to them, um, which we, we have a whole lot of dialogue on kind of what makes for a more productive plant, right? Larger, right. you know, vegetables and all of that. So we're not going to get into that here. Uh, but yeah, onions first out. And five years ago, I would have never thought that. Yeah, me you either. Know? And it's interesting because that's such um, it's such an interesting crop because it's in your garden for so long, too. And don't let that fool you as if to think, oh, you have so much more time because it's, you know, it's in the garden so long. No, it needs to be in the garden that long. Yeah, I mean, five years ago, I was direct sowing onions in May and wondering why I wasn't getting onions. You know, now I'm yeah. I'm planting them in in December and January and harvesting them in June. And now I know why I'm not getting onion. I wasn't getting onions. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the first one. And um, it, you know, it it scratches that itch, you know, <laughs> in the cold and you watching it grow. And it's actually a plant that you need to be hands on with. And so, you know, for a while, you know, for about two months, that's really all we grow here. And then we get into cabbages. So cabbages are huge. And onions, you're starting indoors, right? Mm-hmm. 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 Well, no, not necessarily. So onions. So first of all, I do not ever direct sow onions. And second of all, when I start them, if I start them in the fall, I start them outside and they just live in the six packs outside all winter. Mm -hmm. But then I usually, because I sell the onions as well, I will start another round inside and move them out. And so this year we've done the same thing where we started another round and we moved them out and um, they sell very fast, but they will go out and they will be able to take these cold nights that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're, we're looking at getting uh, into the teens in the next couple of weeks. And I'm not overly concerned about them. The only reason why I'm going to protect them is just because they're a product. So I'm going to protect them just to make sure that I have a product to sell. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, like the ones in my garden and stuff, I'm not going to do anything for them. I'm just going to let them live their best life out in the yard and grow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's all about when you're putting the plants out, it's all about them being in being mature enough to handle the chilly temperatures. And that's mm-hmm. when we get into the cabbages. Yeah. So cabbages have a long growing season, too. Yeah, not as long as onions, but they definitely when you kind of think about the um, how it changes from it looks like any other transplant you know when you get to the point of like i'm transplanting it from my inside to the garden you know though all those brassicas look alike at the beginning you know but unlike something like my beloved collard greens it has to go through this point of forming that head and that's actually a really good indicator when it comes to like 
growth time. If something has to go through the whole action of forming a head and getting firm, you know, it's one of those crops that really, again, is going to need to take some time. You're not generally people aren't harvesting leaves of cabbage. Yeah. You know, like no I don't know anybody that does. For, I'm sure there's people that do that, but yeah, there's no really cutting come again. There are people that would harvest the main head and wait for the side shoots because we love side shoots. Um, but it, it's no, one of those don't. things that you know you're going to need 90 plus days from yeah. transplant, kind of like hard stop, you know. So if you think about that, and you know, it's interesting that you threw in the transplant portion because that's yeah. not what the seed packets say. But that is the experience that I have is 90 days from transplant. So we're talking two months before I plant. And that two months includes seeding, growing, and mostly hardening off might be nine weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, then you have another 90 days after that. But you're you're forming ahead. So just like Batavia said, there's so much to that. And it makes takes it so long. And for us, like if I don't, so our, my plant out date for my cabbages is generally like February 15th in my area. Mm -hmm. Um, it, if I, I can continue planting periodically for about the next month and then I start messing with, you know, I start messing with the dark arts after that. So it's like, I don't know if it's going to bolt. I don't know if it's going to split. And the Mm -hmm. real problem is it won't come out in time and it'll delay the rest of my garden because we are succession sowing, succession planting other plants behind it. Mm -hmm. So it messes up that whole time frame. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather have my tomatoes in the ground than my cabbages. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, for a number of different reasons, I think that this is a good example, like to compare and contrast, right? You know, so when you, if you can remember, Leonard, when Ben transplants his cabbage into the garden, I want to go outside in Chicago to see if my ground is frozen. Yeah. So I suspect my ground will still be my garden, you know, beds will still be frozen when you're planting, you know. And so that's such a good example of it sounds good, right? You know, I'm rooting for you and, and you're beyond doorknob size cabbage this year (laughs) (laughs) but the reality is i can't meet you there you know what i'm saying like i can't that's it's just for my growing area it's different and it's funny because our uh, average last frost dates are very similar but frost and frozen you know and all of that which we won't get into in this episode because you and i both get wrapped around the axle around that Mm -hmm. um but that absolutely makes a difference you know yeah, and I mean it's it's funny because when you go into it, you know, I'm I never would be suggesting like, hey, go to your tool rental place and rent a jackhammer and get your <laughs> ground busted <laughs> up. Like, that's not what we're talking about. But I will tell you, the way that I've planned my garden has worked out really good for me last year, mm-hmm. and I'm going to continue it. Is I plant my cabbages, and I plant my cabbages in particular in the same bed that I'm going to put my sweet potatoes. Because I have to start my sweet potatoes like a month after my, I have to plant them a month after my last frost date. So I automatically am not rushed to get those cabbages out of the ground. And that really worked for me last year because I was able, you know, as we start planting, you know, I had somebody the other day say, I want, um, I would like to see weekly garden updates from you. 
And it's funny because it's like for most of it, it'd be like, okay, well, here's the same stuff. Here's the same stuff. But then there is a period of time in which it is changing weekly. And the last thing for spring to come out of my garden is generally going to be um, my cabbages because mm-hmm. they just take mm-hmm. so long. Mm-hmm. But And, you know, once you start getting that heat, which we typically get very quickly, you know, you, you can kind of get in the weeds with that. And then, you, like I said before, you're just backing up and you're not having your plan is starting to fall apart in front of your eyes. And it's really hard to catch up that early in the season yeah. to get everything going. And some places have a very short season for summer crops. Spring crops. No, summer crops. Oh. Because that's because if you miss your date mm, mm-hmm, and then you're like, well, now I got to put my tomatoes in, but you're two, three weeks behind because you mm-hmm. wanted your cabbages, you've burned very valuable time. Yeah. The um, and cabbage is just as an example is an interesting crop because for you, it's one that it doesn't really bolt. Like once it starts to form a head, it forms a head. And for me, and you tell me if it's different for you, cabbage can sit in my garden at the end of spring, early summer. For quite a while. I mean, I had cabbage. I had a head of cabbage that I pulled like, shoot, I think it was closer to the first frost. <laughs> yeah. Know? It was yeah. tucked into a little space. So planted in Feb, and excuse me, in April and not pulled. Now it had been long ready to harvest. And I ended up having to take a bunch of leaves off, you know, just based on it sitting dormant all of that time. Um, but yeah, it could be a garden hog if you let it. Um, so the motto should be get it in and get it out. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I was getting doorknob cabbages last year because I just didn't want to sit on and, and wait on it. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never had a cabbage bolt. I will say that, but usually it's because I'm getting them out quickly and quickly. Yeah, I've, and, uh, um, the only time I've had a cabbage bolt was planting it in the fall too late. It's sitting dormant over winter. And then in that spring, I was crossing fring- fingers and toes. And yeah, yeah. now I bolted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, Leonard sent me a message that apparently we forgot to put on the list, but celery is another one, mm-hmm. which yeah. isn't a big crop to grow. You know, it's it's one of those things. It's kind of like what you are accustomed to, like what's in your vicinity is oftentimes the thing you're drawn to. I honestly, and my grandmother is somewhere saying, girl, we fed you celery. I don't remember ever eating celery growing up. No. You know, nobody ate celery. (laughs) As I move into my adult years, my first memory of celery is it looking pitiful on some type of veggie platter or something, you know, some type of appetizer somewhere. And then you fast forward to the especially when I was in the mode of I want to try to grow these new things to see how they do in my garden. And I really had great success with celery. Then you have to kind of search around like, how am I, what, what am I going to do with all this celery? It's not even something I normally, I cook with it like once a year. That's what I make yeah. gumbo. Yeah. And so anyway, I say all that to say I had celery up until January, mid-January this year in the garden, which is, that's, that's a flex. I know it's yeah. celery, but it's still a flex. That's okay. And I found ways over the course of those months to use it. So I said all that to say... Do I go to the store and just pick up, you know, a couple of stalks of celery because I'm making something or do I have it in my garden? And it's one of those things that is a longer time to grow. The celery that I had in the garden through 
January um, was transplanted very late in the summer. So I do want to note that. I don't know that if I would have planted it in the spring, would it have lasted at that time? Because that's one of those crops that's sensitive to sun or uh, to heat as well. Um, but remember, we're in this kind of mid zone in Chicago where some things that are sensitive to heat still thrive. Not all, yeah. but some. It's it's fascinating to me because um, celery has a long germination time. Mm-hmm. Hence it? And the starting it, you know. Yeah, and that's something to really consider with some of these plants is the germination time. Um, I know celery, parsnips. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what else has like a um, carrots can have a really g- long germination time. Um, spinach can even have a long germination time as well if it's not the right temperature. Like it'll sit and wait until it's time. Mm-hmm. Can you think of anything else that's just got like? I mean, you a- could list like a half a dozen herbs. You oh yeah, herbs are too. yeah. Mm-hmm. Herbs and flowers are a totally different ball game. Yeah, I think the exception. Um, Basil is probably one of the fast uh, germinating herbs, but other things like thyme, parsley, you know, if you're starting, which we've talked about this in past years, and I still recommend it. If you're starting rosemary by seed, you know, good luck to you. You know, we've talked about in the past, spend the, you know, four or five bucks, buy the plant, especially if you can treat it as a perennial. It's just worth that investment um, for it to get some size, you know, because you could use a whole sprig or two of of rosemary in one dish. Right. That's what the people do on Instagram and stuff. Yeah, we have a rosemary plant and we don't hardly ever use rosemary. I just like it. You know, I like the smell and stuff. But um, yeah, so anything with like a really long germination time, you really need to think about. And celery is like 20 days. Like they kind of put it in that bucket of like it could take up to 21 days to, to germinate. And those are so tricky. And I almost encourage you to. Again, hedge your bets and start a little early if you can, because 21 days to wait for something not to germinate, that's three weeks. That's a long time. Right. You know, so you may want your planting date if it doesn't germinate. Yeah. Well, you know, for me in my area, it's I've come to find that I could plant it a little bit longer than maybe most. But that may be something that you, you know, plant out, start out week one fewer than you really want then week two start another batch so you can stagger it a little bit um it's up to you you know you could do what you want to do um but it's definitely a slow germination slow grower even and these are all again indoors under lights um and i think really this is one of those and i haven't looked this up but i think seed age absolutely impacts you know your germination success oh yeah i'm sure it does so you've got onions cabbage and celery, and I think cabbage and celery are, I think celery should actually go a little bit before cabbage if mm-hmm, you're going to start mm-hmm. it, just because of the germination time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next one that's right there with cabbage is broccoli. So broccoli is another one. It can take the cold. Mm-hmm. It's very hardy. Um, the difference is it's very sensitive to temperature fluctuations. And so a lot of times what yeah. people don't understand is it's bolting because the plant has gotten this hot cold fluctuation in the spring and it's tricked into thinking that it's two years old mm-hmm. and so that's causing it to bolt um, and that's a, a lot with a lot of the biennial plants which means they seed every other year a lot of times that's what happens because as we get into spring 
you know, we may plan out and it's really cold. And then as it starts to warm up and then you get a cold snap and you, you know, you keep doing this, the plants, you know, it's not like us, but it doesn't understand a calendar. It goes by temperature. But what I will say, and my experience is cauliflower is not the same as broccoli. Cauliflower is a lot more delicate to temperature fluctuations. Yeah, I um, so seeding every other year. That's the plant ends uh, basically completing its life cycle in your garden and going to see. You know, we talk mm-hmm. about plants bolting and producing flowers and producing seeds. That's that bit. If that terminology is new to your ears, um, cauliflower. I feel like I've been doing wrong for the years I've been growing cauliflower and it's shown in my um, production of cauliflower. Like each season I get like one or two heads. And so like my extension service advises starting broccoli and cauliflower at the same time, you know, they kind of put Mm -hmm. them in the same bunch, but planting them out and when they want to grow, I've also read my extension service is different. Um, So, that that's one of those bits where I dig deep if you plan on growing cauliflower to try to make sure you get that right because it looks good and then it doesn't like it looks good for a while and then it's like nope like yeah. my cauliflower ends up producing smaller heads when I plant them in the spring as transplants um, and I've gotten it's one of those bits where I've gotten some heads but it's really not it's honestly it hadn't been worth the, the garden space yeah and I mean I just don't enjoy cauliflower enough so I've backed away from growing mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. um but, but that it's like is, celery if you no no produce enough of it and you're like hey you know yeah but i just i mean i've tried all kinds of cauliflower stuff and look cauliflower rice is not rice end of story mm-hmm. it tastes like cauliflower done <laughs> you know prove me wrong please send me right. a dish for cauliflower yeah you like it's, the, you like the buffalo cauliflower wings i yeah, feel I like do. i've i'm betraying you know the human race by referring to them as wings but you get it yeah, I know what you're saying. And I do I do like those, but it's just not enough to grow. And, you mm-hmm. know, in my experience, like we, we would plant in the fall, which I know we're not talking about fall now, but that's when we planted it in broccoli and cauliflower at the same time. We get a cold snap. The cauliflower would die off. The broccoli would do fine. Mm-hmm. And it is mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. year it was like that. So, you know, just make sure. And then what I would do if I was going to start those seeds, I would just stagger them by a week. You know, yeah. so by the time the broccoli. Yeah, so as a, a quick example, my extension service, and this is for central Illinois, and I'm not in central Illinois, but it's fine for this example. Broccoli, they're suggesting planting out between April 10th and May 1st. And again, July 1 and July 15th for presumably a fall harvest. And then cauliflower, they give you 10 days, buddy. July yeah. 10th through July 20th. That's it. That's all. Right? Yeah. And when you see stuff like that, that means that it's a difficult plant to grow in your area, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that's one of the ones, that's another one that you can start really early and, you know, you're again, and we're going to take side shoots off the table. I know everybody loves side shoots. I do not like side shoots, but that's different. Um, but you know, to grow and get that one harvest, you need to have a fair amount of plants as well. So just, just remember that. Um, and then going right in line, the next one is kale. I mean, and collards. They're, I, don't, the, I was going to say get out of my head, but maybe it's because we're kind of working off of a similar list. But yeah. Kale and collards. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they are very cold hardy plants. 
And um, you can start those at the same time as your cabbages and get them in the ground. And the beauty of those is that they're continuous harvest. You know, yep. most people don't harvest a whole head of collards or kale or anything like that. Um, I know lettuce can be a little bit of both, but, mm-hmm. you know, so I start those. I'm, I'm blessed in my area where if I get a good crop in the fall and I can keep them growing, I don't have to restart them. But if I did, I'd be restarting them at the same time as my cabbages and stuff because they're just so hardy. Yeah. So the importance about them being so hardy. So we're in the spring. We're marching towards spring. When this episode airs, we'll be just uh, under or just over a month from spring, um, which is just kind of the monumental moment of its spring. Um but you want to get these things into your garden as soon as you can to take advantage of that cool weather that they prefer. Right. And the reason why things like, you know, your kales and your collards are so impressive in my view is because you can harvest them at any size, really. You know, so you can pick leaves, you know, from these plants at any size. And so those are going to be generally some of the earliest producing plants in your garden. So why not take advantage of that? And if you're living in an area where weather will be problematic, so as it gets hotter, if those plants can't survive, again, you want to back up and say, well, I want to be able to harvest from those plants for as long as I want or as possible, which means I'd need to get those out earlier. Um, and those are things that do find going out of smaller transplants as well. Uh, so, so yeah, those are all positives if that's what you want to grow and, and enjoy from your garden. But they grow really fast too, mm-hmm. you know, when you start mm-hmm. the seeds. So, I mean, all of these seeds minus the celery that we've talked about have about a seven to 10 day germination time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a, well, never mind. We'll get into that. Um, so, you know, thinking in that aspect, it's like if I was to start my seeds in order so far, it would be cabbages, broccoli. I'd probably wait a week and then I would do my kale and collards at the same time. And then that would push me to be able to harden them off in eight weeks, roughly. You could do your kale and collards a little bit earlier if you wanted, mm-hmm. but that's a good starting point. Yeah. And I generally start them around the same time. And I only say that because I can grow collards and kale basically throughout the season, like throughout the spring and summer season back into fall. Some of my older kale plants, once we get later into the season, get attacked by bugs. But that's a whole different conversation. Um, My cabbage is also one that can pretty much hold its own. Um, Broccoli is probably and cauliflower will be the most sensitive to my weather. So there's a part while both of them are a little bit more they're not as hardy as the other ones we've named. I do want to get those out into the garden as early as possible. Broccoli, that is. I've decided that for cauliflower, I'm just going to try to grow that in the, the fall. So yeah. I'm going to follow one of the recommendations from the um, extension service and focus on planting that midsummer. Now, this is the key. And this is also the reason why you keep trying. I can't find... I could barely find cauliflower transplants in summer, right? I can, yeah. I'll stumble at the smaller local, you know, um, um, garden centers. I can find things like kale basically all year. You know, your big box, you know, your, your Home Depots, your Lowe's, your Menards, they are long 
past the point midsummer of having um you know those kind of brassicas right you know yeah so that's again why it's important i probably will start cauliflower in the spring or in late winter like around the same time just to see if i can get it to grow you know um and if i get it to grow i'm probably going to plant it but my intention would be to have a fall crop for it instead yeah I and mean, a crop and, could be just a handful of plants it's not something that i love either you know yeah well i mean it's just yeah and i mean that's the beauty of it too when you're starting your own seed you can start three of them and say mm-hmm. i'm gonna grow three plants instead of mm-hmm. going to buy six you know yeah yep um so it's important that you know you take all that into account and um once you get those started i think it's best to wait another week so we're roughly two weeks after we've started, um, two to three weeks after we've started our um, cabbages and whatnot. And then you start getting into your mustard. And there's a big argument for growing. I know a lot of people don't like mustard, but there's a really big argument for growing mustard. Um, and that's if you plant it behind where your tomatoes were and you chop the leaves up and put them in back into the soil, mm-hmm. it actually is a biofumigate for... Um, root not nematodes so Mm. if you have those in your area you can put those just chop them up put them back in so you can enjoy them you can get different levels of spiciness for your mustards but then you can also help with the root not nematodes and stuff like that in the future so um there's a little bit for that but it's it's incredibly hardy as well i mean it's another one that for the most part will make it through the winter outside here i've got uh, a set of plants in the greenhouse and then I've got a couple plants out in my garden and they're in the wild garden so they're not doing great but one of them is bolting and one of them is hanging on but as we get closer like they're going to start growing so they can take a pretty good cold as well we'll see what they do after this 19 degree cold which I'll do a video on YouTube after that of what made it and what didn't but we'll see how that happens yeah, I have had mixed results with starting things like mustards and probably another couple of items that are on our list indoors. Those plants tend to bulge. And I think it, you know, again, ties back to um, how warm my house is. Yeah. I did, um, you know, so I told you, I, you know, kicking and screaming, I got a new furnace last year. And, you know, it's very clear the difference in the old, old furnace, you know, yeah. to the actual thermostat you know, setting and then how warm the home was. So you asked me in the last episode, I think it may have been the subscription episode, kind of what do I normally set my thermostat at? And normally it was like kind of 72 in the winter. I could set and be pretty comfortable unless I'm sitting right next to a window, but be pretty comfortable at like 68, which is unheard of in my mind. Yeah. Um, but my basement, I have a little um, thermometer down there and it's 71 so the kind of the overall house is set at something like 67, 68, but because my furnace is right down there, you know, again, it's much warmer. I don't, yeah. it's, it's weird. I don't have, you know, how basins are normally a little bit colder. Nope, not mine. Yeah. So I think this is a good time to talk about your brassicas. Um, I had a lot of people ask me on a recent video did like, Hey, what do you keep your temperature at in your house? Mm-hmm. This, that, and the other, which is a very personal question. I'm just joking. But then the other thing as well was do you put heat mats under it. And so because these plants are cool weather, like I, first of all, I keep my house at about 62 degrees roughly. Uh, we don't really run our heat much. We mm-hmm. Last year we didn't run it at all. We wanted to see how we did it and it was pretty chilly. So this year we're, you know, 
running about 62, 64 degrees. I don't put these plants on heat mats at all because they like, that's like optimum temperature range for germination. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really having any issues germinating, but in the fall, I had the hardest time with them in the summer when I was doing it. And I, it's, I think it's directly related to the temperature inside and the fact that the AC is running so it wasn't as humid and it was drier and it seemed like things were just desiccating really fast. Mm-hmm. So that being said, I think there was an issue with that. And I know for a fact that your brassica issues, because are you still planting them downstairs? Um, remember last year. So last year was the first year that I started some downstairs in the basement, but I also started stuff upstairs on my third floor. So like where the bedrooms are and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I still, I, I, they did, they let, they live longer, but they still succumb, you know, before I was able to get them, um, outside. Yeah. I think it's directly related to heat. I really do. It's just because you got to think too, once you turn the lights on, you're even raising the temperature even more. Yeah. I think it's a combination of heat. I think it's a combination of like, you know, humidity, um, and, and my, home in general um i'm actually i know you'll love this i'm actually finally as i was cleaning i'm still cleaning up my basement as of this recording and i have garbage bags of uh, milk cartons i've been saving for years my neighbor every now and again she said you're still collecting them i'm like yeah so i'm gonna do some winter sewing i've Every year, I feel like I know what the thing is. <laughs> Every year, I come up and say, ah. uh, so I'm going to do some winter sewing. I feel pretty good about outdoors in a jug, sewing some of these brassicas. I'm going to see success with those compared to what I do indoors. And that's going to be a clear indicator that it's not the gardener. It's not the seeds. It's the environment. Um, So and I also have I don't know that I'm going to do this, but I also have the option to start some in my uh, garage so that, you know, again, under lights, that's going to be as cold as it is outside, generally speaking. So it'll be interesting to see if I do that, the results of that. But, yeah, I. It definitely is. There's, it's not logical otherwise um, that everything else that I start from seed is just fine, but so these what particular I, plants. <clears throat> so what I do in that scenario when you're in your garage is mm-hmm. I would run my lights at night so that it would raise the temperature a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so you're not That's getting... a super good idea, I think. Yeah. It sounds yeah, smart. So, yeah, it is smart. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I do that with so I do that with my bon, my I have tropical bonsai trees that I keep in my garage in the wintertime mm-hmm. and I run the light at night just to raise that temperature a little bit more. May mm-hmm. only be a degree, but it's still, you know, that can be the, the difference between life and death. Um, you know, I did that video a while back about the zip up greenhouses. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? And yeah. I had a lady had a lady um she commented yesterday actually and she was like, "I hate that thing." But she was like, what I've used it for is I use it to start all my tropical seeds inside. She has it set up inside with the lights on in it. And she's it's raising the temperature like five degrees because you're building a microclimate in there. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that Mm -hmm. is such a perfect use for that thing. That thing is garbage outside. But if you put that inside, I mean, you really can you, you could put a space heater in there and just 
let it run a little bit, very little because it's so small and it would change dramatically. So there's all kinds of ways you can do those types of things. But yeah, lights produce heat. So take advantage of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good idea. I mean, I think that ultimately, again, it's the, you know, it's not my default. I want to be able to start these brassicas. I am super curious about, you know, how some of my brassicas will perform if I finally get to the point of uh, starting it from seed. I had some great luck with kale last year and my kale plants kicked butt, you know, Um, and I was able to start those. Those made it with growing on my top floor, which generally you could argue would be the the coolest excuse me the warmest as heat rises um but again it's so far away from my um my furnace and as i sit here kind of in the opposite room of where i had those plants i haven't decided if i'm going to bring them in here you know my little office um it's directly next to a window and there's it's chilly yeah you know so the temperature in this room is cooler than the temperature in my basement Right. Which goes back to your point of these plants like it to be cool and things like a heat mat. I don't think it's necessary. So the heat mat is just generally used to, you know, promote germination, get the soil warm enough to have these seeds germinate. And the seed determines like the type of seed it is determines how warm that soil really needs to be. I got some heat mats last year and I think I only use them for like my summer plants my heat loving crops you know right. you know again i don't want to completely give an opinion on the it's i don't even know if it's nice to have it's definitely not required you know unless you are running stuff in a place that's super cool um so we'll see if i use them this year it um for me it made a big difference because um it for my warm season crops it really made them grow a lot faster Mm-hmm. So there was that aspect of it. But generally speaking, um, I'm with you for these cool weather stuff. It's just not important. Um, I have lost your image on here. So anyways, what you can tell from this is we're talking a lot about planning the garden and, you know, having a good plan equals success. And one thing that we like to use is planter app. And there's a link below that's going to get you a big discount on a lifetime subscription to it. And it helps you plan square foot garden interface, drag and drop, very visual. Um, I just recently did on my YouTube channel a demonstration of it. And it's not really a demonstration. It's just me using it. And I'll be doing it again to plan my garden. But definitely check that out. And the good thing about it is I know there's some updates incoming for it. And it's continuously being updated and changed to make it more useful and really in my mind in our mind it's becoming a one-stop shop for your garden planning needs and it's great to have them as a sponsor because they care about your garden as much as we do so it's available on google and apple you can use it on your phone your tablet your computer and like i said the link below is a lifetime subscription and it gives you a big discount so check that out it's called the planter app and it's spelled p-l-a-n-t-e-r app so there you go and that's really makes a big difference because as we do all this what we're going to notice is we've gone through all of these crops and now we're starting to get into crops that need to be a little bit warmer 
And so our seed starting date is going to set that forward. So at this point, I'd say about a month after you do your cabbages and stuff, it's about time to start your lettuces. Um, what else? Lettuce, chard. Yeah, I'd start chard a month for sure. So if we're more like in the March time frame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely start chard. Um, lettuce is tricky. Um, depending so if you're being you could start lettuce like when you're starting those other plants if no 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 i don't do that no? i wait a month mm-hmm. yeah I've, i'm looking at lettuce seedlings that are like a centimeter tall right now and my well, cabbages my, need to go I was out headed was lettuce grows probably as fast if not faster than things like tomatoes for me um so i've started lettuce as early as january and that's been too early for my area yeah you know so february probably you know i could but march probably makes more sense if i'm starting them in march i'm probably planting them out sometime in april um that also gets tricky it's kind of along the family of broccoli in that your window is kind of tight for being able to grow lettuce before it gets too hot um so that's one of those things i think play around lettuce seeds are so cheap you know, you can also get out there and direct sow some lettuce. I love the idea of starting lettuce indoors because you actually see things that look like the thing that you may eat. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so. Um, and we're talking about um, leaf type lettuces, too. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. point. Yeah. iceberg lettuce, head lettuce, it's same idea as the cabbages. It needs longer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't do you, do you grow head lettuce? Um, I have I try year after year, but it gets too hot. Yeah, I don't care for it, so I don't grow it. So there's some of the not like not an iceberg like lettuce, but there's some like buttery types that produce a head that I've grown or tried to grow year over year, and it never gets to like its full potential. You could argue that romaine produces a head too, but it never gets to its full potential. I end up pulling it early, or you know, a portion of it ends up bolting. Man, I grew a um. So you know, I don't really like the like the buttercrisp lettuces and stuff mm-hmm. like that. What are those called? Those, you got romaine type, and then you've got what is that? I always thought it was just heading lettuce, leaf lettuce. No. Yeah, it's like a leaf. It's a different kind of leaf lettuce. Anyways, uh, like the floppier leaf lettuce, uh, and I don't care for it. Um, but this year I grew a micro lettuce. I can't, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Man, I have really and thoroughly enjoyed that lettuce this year. It's it's blown my mind. It makes a much smaller uh, head of lettuce, and I just cut the whole head. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, man, one one of those is about a meal for you know once you add everything in. I have really enjoyed that this year, and I, I don't have any seeds now, but I'm doing multiple types of lettuce. I've got um, I, I like little gem. Mm-hmm. romaine lettuce so i mm-hmm. do that and then that's grows to it's supposed to be smaller head but last year i got in there like two feet tall <laughs> and then i also have a vivian romaine lettuce the only reason why i picked that's because my um grandmother's name was vivian so i was like yeah, yeah let's do it i don't i'm not picky mm-hmm. you know what I mean, when it comes to romaine types but um that is a very it can be very delicate but i, I mean it was 24 degrees last night and my lettuces are still hanging mm-hmm. in there we'll see once but it's gotten that cold before and they've made it so they can handle it but again they need to be mature and even though you can direct sow them if we start them inside we're just getting our harvest about a month earlier roughly yeah i think that um you know so we talked about this you and i um offline meaning off the podcast and I am back to start it by seed if I can start it by seed. The exceptions are probably going to be things like spinach, things like mustards, 
root crops are going to be the exceptions to the things that I direct, you know, that I would start by seed. Lettuce just makes sense. It's always been easy for me to start by seed. Um, it also helps me, um, it's a plug plant for me once I get outside, right? You know, and I know that it's not going to be in the garden the entire year. And I feel good about pulling it at any time if I want. Um, It is kind of planting it on the perimeter, you know, corners and all. And this is probably one of the few crops that I'll say, if you have the space, plant a bunch of different varieties. And I say that because you can then decide which ones you really like. Yeah. You know, so if you have the seeds, you know, I know over the years you've probably bought a bunch of seeds and if you have, um, and you know, it's crazy how expensive lettuce is in the stores. (laughs) It is. And I can take a pack of seeds and grow three years worth of lettuce off of it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, $5 at most. Um, no, you, you said something interesting. You brought up spinach and root crops and we're running low on time. Uh, spinach can be started mm-hmm. inside, but I find that if I wait a little bit longer and direct sow it, it works out much better. So, and that's in the spring. So I tried to do, I did that last year. I did a double row of it and I was, I mean, I was swimming in spinach. So this year I'm going to try and do a quadruple row of it. Yeah. Spinach uh, is one of those crops that's really heat sensitive for me, mm -hmm. you know? And so that even, it's not like summer heat. It's like, you know, again, going back to house heat, I've had spinach, I've brought it upstairs to start to harden it off you know, bringing it outside, back inside, and it's bolted, like, you know, in my dining room, you know, like, you know, like when I brought it in, like overnight, you know, so over the course of a handful of days. So um, I definitely feel like in my garden, direct sowing it works out better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've I've actually done some things with, which is, we're past this point now, but I direct sowed some spinach last fall with the hope of it springing up, no pun intended, this spring. so, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's super duper hardy, which is interesting. Um, and you could, depending on what you're going to do with it, you can almost never have enough with it, of it if you're cooking it for sure. Uh, but as a fresh green, I think you kind of fold in things like, oh, mix it in with your, you know, your less lettuce, lettuce, lettuce right? Um, things like arugula, you know, that could be started indoors, but I prefer when I grow it to direct seed it yeah and you know when you get into direct sowing you brought up root crops too and the the theory like i grow a lot of rutabagas Mm -hmm. and a lot of people say like direct sow your rutabagas well i last spring i started them inside and planted them out and i did i was very happy with the results the trick is like especially with like rutabagas if you're interested in that is you you can sow them you can start them inside the same time as the lettuce but they need to come out one month after you start them don't let them get Mm -hmm. too comfortable in there and don't mess with the root that much but when i did that last year i was really happy so i started some still waiting for them to germinate um and then we'll get those out but that makes a big difference. Um, so, you know, like carrots, I don't think, I mean, you've done them in pots and stuff, but like transplanting carrots is not recommended. Yeah, it's just moving the entire container, though. Yeah. And there's an aphid nightmare that year, too. Um, so the, the concept is, you know, the thing that you're eating is the root. And right. when you're transplanting something, generally you're disturbing the root. And so I remember when I first saw you starting rutabaga indoors, 
And I'm just like, I don't know, buddy. I'm saying this to myself, you know. And then I saw you harvesting rutabagas. So I'm like, well, I mean, clearly. You know? <laughs> I'm glad I kept that thought to myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't know how it was going to turn out either, but it was worth mm-hmm. a shot because the way mm-hmm. I looked at it was I was able to get a plant in the ground earlier again when you would direct sow them. I was already mm-hmm. putting a plant in the ground. Yeah. And so that worked out well. And not all plants are good like that, especially root crops. But that is one that really does help. And at the same time that I do that, I'm putting in carrots, but I'm direct sowing those. Mm-hmm. Yes, Batavia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just um, as we begin to wrap up and you start to think about like a lot of these crops that we've mentioned, you don't have to grow everything every spring. Mm-mm. Right. You know, you can decide it. And the thing that spurred this is I didn't grow rutabagas last year. I regret it. I mean, it's not like it doesn't keep me up at night, you know, but it's something that I'll include in this year. It wasn't intentional necessarily. Right. right. But it's one of those things that will be included in this year's garden. And I feel good about it because now the anticipation around it is even higher because I haven't had I haven't had rutabaga since the year before last. Like I haven't right. even eaten them. Um, and so I just want you to 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 the listeners you know, feel comfortable in, you know, you have the freedom to decide what you're growing in your garden and that can change year over year. Right. And that's, that's the, a big point behind all of this is, you know, use your diet and what you desire to grow, but don't get big eyes and go crazy because you've got to remember, mm-hmm. we've also got to start our summer seeds. And now that we've done all this, the last ones in direct sow would be radishes and turnips. And then at the same time, you need to be starting probably your tomatoes, peppers, and eggplants. And probably your eggplants and peppers first is recommended. And then you can kind of, you'll start that. So you're starting this whole cycle. And we're not really going to get into that because it's a little bit early. But I do want to say that even though we've given you the time frame, like generally speaking, the month of February is a big seed starting month for most people. Yes, Patavia? Final comment, and I concur with you when it comes to the summer plants are check, 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 right behind it, you know. Yeah. Um, peppers, for me, are always going to be the first thing I start for summer. Yeah. And I agree with you that peppers and eggplants take longer than, you know, I, I thought. Um, so I, I think you're absolutely right. You got a little bit of play with tomatoes. Um, yeah, you do. Just generally speaking, because they, they can get up and, and get ready to get out pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, man, you know, start thinking about those peppers that you want to grow this year. Start thinking about the one or two eggplants. Nobody needs more than two eggplants <laughs> that you want to grow yeah. this year. And I'm going to I'm going to solidify my my theory behind seed starting and planting. You should never be planting cabbages at the same time as your tomatoes. As a matter of fact, you should be getting ready to pull your cabbages around the same time you're planting your tomatoes. And on that note, everybody, remember this. If you need any seed starting stuff, there is a link below to our Amazon store that will tell you everything that we have to lights, shelf, the whole nine, everything for all of the garden stuff that we use. And we've learned to grow and we've grown for change right here on the Backyard Gardens podcast. See ya. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. 
Thanks for checking out the show. If you like what we're doing and you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash backyard gardens, or you can be an Apple subscriber. And in both of those, you'll get an extra episode every month. You can also make a one-time PayPal donation with the link below, and you can get all kinds of gardening gear, like t-shirts and mugs and cups from the link below at Teespring. And we have an Amazon store, which has all the products that we use and recommend in our gardens, and it helps support our show. And we also add to this list periodically, so be sure to check it out periodically to see if there's anything that you need for your garden. Everything that you do, including a like and a subscribe and even a review, will help us learn to grow and grow for change. See ya.